Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board certified physicians who can prescribe FDA approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. podcast before. Red Room is a podcast dedicated to true crime, conspiracy, unsolved mysteries and everything that lives within that strange world. And this week, this is an emergency broadcast episode. I wanted to break down the recent documents that have been released on Epstein because if you know me um, and if you've listened to this podcast before, you will know that I have followed the Epstein case all the way through. I followed the Ghislaine Maxwell case. We did loads of live streams over on Patreon where I do weekly deep dives every single week. And this has come out and I've seen a lot of confusion online about it, right? Myself included. It's quite confusing. These are legal documents. These are documents that are, um, you know, mostly depositions. They're long. It's over 900 pages. So I'm going to briefly talk through what happened, what was released, give you a little bit of a recap of the, just the whole Jeffrey Epstein world in general. This is only going to be a mini episode, so we're not going to get into the nitty gritty, but I am going to try and make it as clear as possible for you all. Uh, just a disclaimer, I'm obviously not a lawyer. I am not um, a law enforcement officer. So this is all just based on my own research, my own understanding of these documents. And I try and just break it down in layman's term because I am a layman. And I know a little bit just from reading these kinds of documents a lot. Like, for example, you'll find I think the most recent episode we put out or um if not the most recent the one before that was a breakdown of the Danny Masterson case. So I do a lot of reading on these legal documents, but again, I'm not a lawyer. Um, and that's just to put it out there because I'm not trying to sound like one either. It's just how I understand things. So let's talk through it. Let's talk through what was released yesterday, a reminder of the case, and then some of the most groundbreaking uh, things that came out of the released documents. Unsealed documents that name associates like Donald Trump, 
Bill Clinton, Prince Andrew and an array of other people were released on Wednesday night. The court filings contained in a defamation lawsuit that originally was brought against Ghislaine Maxwell by Epstein victim Virginia Giuffre in 2015 after she branded her a liar over her claim that she was sexually abused as a minor by Jeffrey Epstein. The lawsuit was settled in 2017, but the names have remained under lock and key until now. So in December, US Judge Loretta Preska ordered that the documents be finally unsealed and that people known only as John and Jane Doe's and redacted names all be released and put out into the public. Judge Preska found that there is no legal justification to keep the names in the documents redacted and this has been... A very central part of the Epstein case, which we'll get into, is, you know, this kind of calling to release the names because although he has been named and there's been a few other people that have come up in court documents, specifically in the Ghislaine Maxwell trial, there are still a huge amount of names redacted and people want to know who these people are and they feel that it is, it is a matter of public interest. In total, more than 150 associates of Jeffrey Epstein are expected to be unmasked over the next while as there is a trove of documents that are going to be released over the next coming days and weeks. I don't think there is any final day on when these are meant to be released or what the documents will be, but the first lot was released on Wednesday evening. So let's do a quick reminder, just in case any of you are confused of the timeline of the Epstein case, like if you haven't been completely clued in, I know it is quite um, complicated and there's a lot of different timelines, different names floating around. As I said, I've been following it for years, so I have a pretty good understanding of it, but there are still people and timelines that I do get confused about. So Jeffrey Epstein was a self-made, and I've got that in quote marks because there is questions over how he made his money, but we don't have time to get into that today. Billionaire and financier who worked primarily out of New York City, and he lived across his multiple, multiple luxurious properties, including one of the largest townhouses in Manhattan, which was gifted to him. Yes, a luxurious Palm Beach compound, a vast ranch in New Mexico, and of course, most famously, his private island, Little St. James in the Virgin Islands. Epstein's world was first rocked when in 2005, a woman contacted Florida's Palm Beach Police Department and alleged that her 14-year-old stepdaughter had been taken to Epstein's mansion by an older girl where the two stripped and massaged Mr. Epstein for a sum of $300. This obviously began a massive investigation into Epstein. However, the investigation took so long, he continued to run wild in Palm Beach and in Little St. James, committing his various crimes. But this investigation was into his sex trafficking operation, um, one that they did not realize was going to be that in the beginning, and it unfolded. And just here, I will say, if you are looking for a really good source on uh, information on this early investigation into uh, Jeffrey Epstein all the way up until his death, I could not recommend the book Relentless Pursuit, My Fight for the Victims of Jeffrey Epstein anymore. It is an incredible read. It reads like a fiction almost. It is Oh, it's amazing. It's like a true crime fiction, but it is told by the lawyer who represented Epstein's victims for more than a decade. And 
it just breaks down everything so clearly and it had information in there that I did not know and it is a tough read um, obviously because of the, the content itself but if you are interested in this case whatsoever I think it is essential reading just to understand how deep this went. So this investigation looked into this sex trafficking operation that involved hundreds if not honestly thousands of underage girls and young women and this was with the help of his on and off again girlfriend or business partner or co-conspirator all three maybe Ghislaine Maxwell. Epstein agreed to plead guilty in Florida State Court on two felony prostitution charges, serve 18 months in prison, register as a sex offender and pay restitution to three dozen victims identified by the FBI. And the plea deal that he did receive was later described as a sweetheart deal because of how lenient it was. Um, And especially in the state of Florida, I believe they have just really, really strict sex offenders laws and Epstein basically skipped out on all of them. Epstein was housed in a private wing of the prison. He allegedly spent most of his time inside watching TV in a meeting room. I heard, I think I might have read in the book or I watched one documentary, apparently like a normal day for him was he would say, oh, I've got a meeting with my lawyer, Alan Dershowitz, a name we'll be talking about lots today. And he would basically just go into this meeting room, watch TV all day and never meet with his lawyer or his lawyer would come in for like an hour. He basically was treated like a king in prison for, well, for many reasons I am sure. So as I said Epstein was housed in a private wing of the prison so for the first three months he was made stay in prison all of the time and this is when he mostly would spend time in this meeting room. However after three and a half months a judge ruled that he was allowed to leave for 12 hours a day six days a week on work release. Now 12 hours a day is a long long time. He basically went to sleep in prison. So years of civil suits ensued after he was released and victims were pressured to take hush money. They were stalked. They were intimidated by Epstein's shady security team, but they did persevere. And Epstein was eventually re-arrested again in 2019 on sex trafficking charges. And I believe this was because it was out of New York, I believe, because New York accusers came forward, whereas these other accusers that he served time for were in Palm Beach. So according to witnesses and sources on the day of his arrest, about a dozen FBI agents forced open the door to his Manhattan townhouse, the Herbert N. Strauss house, with search warrants. The search of his townhouse turned up evidence of sex trafficking and also found hundreds and perhaps thousands of sexually suggestive photographs of fully or partially nude females. Some of the photos were confirmed as those of underage females, so that would technically be child pornography. In a locked safe, compact discs were found with handwritten labels, including the descriptions young and then name name, miscellaneous nudes and girl pics nude. The same year, another Epstein investigation began in France, and this was for rape and sexual assault of minors under and over the age of 15, criminal association with a view to committing crimes, and association with criminals with a view to commit offences. On July 23rd, 2019, Epstein was found injured and semi-conscious at 1.30am on the floor of his prison cell with marks around his neck. Now, according to NBC News, 
Two sources said that Epstein tried to hang himself. A third said injuries weren't serious and it could have been staged. And a fourth source said that an assault by his cellmate had not been ruled out. However, he was placed on suicide watch and the conditions of this suicide watch were that he would always have a cellmate and that a guard would look into the cell every 30 minutes. Despite this, less than two months later, on August 9th, 2019, these procedures were not followed. He was not checked on for three hours and his cellmate was transferred out that day and not replaced. Two cameras in front of Epstein's cell also happened to malfunction that night and on that night Epstein was found dead in his cell at the Metropolitan Correctional Centre in New York City at 6.30am on August 10th 2019. Now there has obviously been lots of talk over Epstein's death. Again don't have time to get into all of that today unfortunately. Maybe I do need to do a whole episode breakdown of Epstein in general but we'll see if the demand is there for that. You can let me know. However, you know, there's lots of talk over the autopsy that he couldn't have possibly hung himself. A lot of people believe that he was killed. A lot of people believe that he was almost forced to kill himself. Some people think that there was a hit taken out of him within prison. No matter what you believe, his death shouldn't have happened because it is insane. Even if, you know, we are to believe the official story that apparently these security guards fell asleep, the cameras weren't working that night, he was meant to be in one of the highest security prisons in all of New York City and yet he still managed to take his own life and skip on any accountability for his actions of course. Now since then his co-conspirator, his on and off romantic partner Ghislaine Maxwell went under trial on the same charges after being in hiding for about a year and was sentenced to 20 years in prison only recently. Since then, there has been a mass outcry to release the names of people on that list and the names of people that Ghislaine and Epstein were trafficking the girls to, with the resounding opinion being that the whole operation should be exposed. Some of the flight logs on Epstein's private jet that was nicknamed the Lolita Express have been public for a while some of them are initials that people have deciphered and it's as with everything online it's very hard to know if what you're reading is real if what you're reading is the actual flight log or could it be doctored who knows however Nothing has been concrete and any names that have been in depositions have mostly been redacted and have been redacted for years. But as I said, just this December gone, US Judge Loretta Preska ordered that the documents must be finally unsealed and that the public deserve to know who these people are. So why is this important, right? So this was a sex trafficking ring involving women of age and involving women under age. It also had so many links into, you know, the kind of 1% of the world. Jeffrey Epstein used model agencies to recruit girls. He used his connections in hotels to to get at the staff. He, to be honest, if the best way, and I don't mean this to sound in a jokey way, but the best way you can think of Jeffrey Epstein's operation was like an MLM for human trafficking because he would get one girl in, he would get massages off her 
these girls were oftentimes, specifically in Palm Beach, he would target girls from vulnerable backgrounds, from poor backgrounds, or who had also been already victims of abuse themselves. And he would basically say, you know, you can make more money if you don't like sashing me, you can make more money by recruiting other girls. So it was this kind of pyramid scheme of nefarious activity and it should also be said before we go into anything any further, um, it is very often in any situation like this where there are some kind of like it happens in cults and it also happens within these kind of sex trafficking operations that oftentimes the people who are victims also become perpetrators. It can be a little bit of a moot point to point out that she also harmed people because that is just what happens in these situations. However, a lot of people talk about the fact that obviously Epstein was not just a pedophile, but a sexual deviant, right? He demanded massages that involved sexual gratification multiple times a day. But the number of girls that were involved ultimately was, I, as I said, I mean, I'm going to say in the thousands, I mean, possibly the high hundreds, but if we're being realistic, I really do think it probably is the thousands. And many people point out, myself included, I always think this, that like, yes, he had some sort of apparent insatiable sexual desire, but like not for the amount and number of the girls that he was procuring and trafficking. So people often question like, who were they trafficking to? Because it was not just him. Alongside this, through searching his apartment, law enforcement found that Epstein installed concealed cameras throughout it in numerous places on his properties to allegedly record sexual activity with the underage girls and, and prominent people who would attend parties at his island or in his townhouse or wherever they may be. And typically they would presume, and law enforcement have pretty much said this, that he would do so for criminal purposes like blackmail. So knowing that these were and protective names is a massive part of the puzzle and people and victims of Epstein have been demanding their names to be put so that Epstein's death and Ghislaine's incarceration are not the end of the story because other people have been involved and they are still walking freely. On top of this, Epstein was a very powerful guy with connections ranging from very, very prominent politicians to A-list celebrities. So why did he have such pull with them? It's worth asking these questions. Why was a financier so connected and why was he so respected by people and what did they see? Did they see anything at these parties? It's hard to believe that they wouldn't, but let's get into it. Let's get into the key points from this document. So previously, the documents that have been released on Wednesday were part of the Epstein accuser Virginia Jeffrey's 2015 civil case against Ghislaine Maxwell. If you don't know who Virginia Jeffrey is, you will probably have seen a picture of her with Prince Andrew. Okay, that is the girl. So admittedly, right, the doc, it's 900 pages long and I have not got through it all. I have not read a thousand pages in like six hours, but I did get through a lot of it and I've used a lot of the recaps online to guide me. I've searched names within it and I'll link it below for you all so you can all go in and look at it yourself. Um, I find the easiest way to look into it and kind of see certain names popping up is just like doing command find and finding their name and seeing how much they pop up and in what context. So I wanted to get this out though, just so we all have something. And as there are more released, I hope to maybe release more episodes, maybe not. I don't know whether I'll do it here or on Patreon, but you can let me know if you want more or what you're thinking. Life is full of what ifs, some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? 
and some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at bluenile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. So when this document was released, the website actually crashed due to so much demand. So I know the demand is out there to know this and to understand it. So two of the most anticipated names, I think, no matter what side you're on, because they're two sides of, to be honest, the same coin, are Bill Clinton and Donald Trump. Bill Clinton, it has been known for years that the two of these men were very close friends. Ghislaine Maxwell was also very close to the Clintons. She attended their daughter Chelsea's 2010 wedding while Epstein was behind bars. I believe it was one of her first public appearances. One of the most bizarre facts about their friendship that's not in these documents, but I do like to say whenever he comes up, is that Epstein had an oil painting of US President Bill Clinton dressed in a woman's dress displayed in his Manhattan townhouse. So the painting showed Clinton lounging on an armchair wearing this royal blue cocktail dress and red shoes pointing and staring at the viewer. So law enforcement, when they searched Jeffrey Epstein's townhouse, told the New York Post that it was hanging up there prominently as as soon as you walked in, in a room to the right. Some people think that the dress is very similar to the one that Monica Lewinsky famously wore during their affair that was brought up in the trial. But to me, this is 100% a dress that Hillary Clinton wore and she wore to the 2009 Kennedy Center Honours. Google that and you will see. I'm convinced. But I always, I'm like, why did he have this here? It's such a weird thing to have. Like, fair enough having a photoshopped picture of your friend in a WhatsApp group that you can make fun of them of. But why are you having this extravagant oil painting in your stunning mansion in in Manhattan for all to see? Like, to me, this is a showboating thing. To me, this is like, look how powerful I am. I can have an oil painting of a former US president in my hallway dressed in his wife's dress. Like, it's bizarre. Is it blackmail? Is this a kind of reminder? Is, you know, is it a nudge to Clinton himself to remind him that, I don't know, does he have dirt on him? Well, let's get into it because it seems like he does. In the disclosed documents, Clinton's name pops up a lot, 73 times to be exact. Of all the people I looked into today, his name comes up the most. And it mostly comes up in a transcript of a deposition given by another Epstein accuser, Johanna Soberg. In it, she says Epstein once told her that Clinton, quote, likes them young and he was specifically referring to girls. Clinton himself is obviously not accused of any misconduct in the unsealed documents. And in a statement after Epstein's arrest in 2019, he said he hadn't spoken to him in well over a decade. But that's what they all say. Of course, everyone's going to be like, oh, I, I don't know him. I haven't spoken to him in years. And a lot of people 
publicly anyway distanced themselves from Epstein on the first time he went to jail. He did acknowledge having flown on Epstein's private plane on four occasions, but he denied ever visiting the private island. Uh, there is records in here of Bill Clinton and Epstein going on some sort of holiday to Thailand. I also believe they went to Africa at some point. And then there is Trump. So a lot of people are very thirsty for Trump's name to be listed. However, in these documents, his name only comes up four times. And it's mostly in reference to his Mar-a-Lago resort, which is where Jeffrey frequented quite often. And he was known to procure some of his girls from. Most uh, notoriously, Virginia Jeffrey worked here when she was approached, I believe, by Ghislaine Maxwell to come and work as a masseuse for Epstein, which was just, that was their jam. That was how they got the girls. So there is one conversation in here, I believe it's with Johanna Soberg and she was saying that they were trying to fly somewhere but I think they either couldn't take off or their plane had to divert and he said okay we'll go to Trump's Mar-a-Lago and it was a pretty innocuous conversation if I'm honest. She was asked had she ever been asked to give Trump a massage? She said no and that she had never met Trump anyway. So now let's go on to some celebrity stuff. Some of the most known names that have popped up in these documents, and I'm sure you've seen everywhere over the internet in the past day and a half or so, are Al Gore, Bill Richardson, Naomi Campbell, Leonardo DiCaprio, Michael Jackson, Kate Blanchett, Bruce Willis and Cameron Diaz. But remember, this is not an accusation and nor does it mean that they were involved in any of the trafficking or any of this weird sex shit. This is a good time to discuss Epstein's I'm going to say double life, but like it wasn't really a double life, I don't think, but many people would say so. Let's say that for the shits and giggles. So Epstein, as well as being pedophile and, you know, a horrific human being and a sex trafficker, he also fancied himself kind of like an academic. He would host like various types of galas on his private island and he would invite A-listers to it. And this was obviously a way of kind of showing that he was very well connected and all the rest. He would have celebrities perform at these galas and a lot of them were like science based or he was very into eugenics if I'm honest so he would have like Barney he spoke to I believe was it Mark Zuckerberg about something about eugenics before and he was into just some weird weird stuff (laughs) to put it lightly but I'm even talking academically he was into some weird stuff and he wanted he definitely wanted these kind of nerdy people to think he was really smart and really cool So he was also into a lot of kind of eco-activism and this was probably also because Ghislaine had this shady company called Terramar. Look into that in your own time. Very strange. And he would obviously be looking for a lot of funding for these companies a lot of the time. And he was a financier as well. So this was always, I would presume, in a way of making more money. And he would invite famous people to these. So I'm thinking Al Gore, Leonardo DiCaprio, you know, these people who are very into kind of eco-warrior uh, in the public eye. Now, not every event on the island was a wild orgy, but he definitely didn't keep all of these completely separate either, which will come up later. He definitely had some overlap, but I'm going to presume it was with a select I'm not going to be like a small select group of people, but there was definitely a selection of who was exposed to this. So many of the names only crop up when victim Johanna Soberg was asked in her 2016 deposition, had she met them? So that is why the names like 
Kate Blanchett, Cameron Diaz, Bruce Willis, Leonardo DiCaprio come up, I believe, because she was asked, does she know them? And she said no, but Epstein would drop their name. Like he'd be on the phone apparently and she'd come in and he'd be like, oh, that was Leonardo DiCaprio on the phone. It's also how Kevin Spacey's name comes up. It was more in a sense of her being directly asked, does she know these people? We don't really know why the lawyer in the deposition was asking these questions, whether they were, you know, to solidify that these people were on the plane or that they had some sort of nefarious activity. We don't really know, but that that is the majority way that a lot of these names kind of come up in conversation. So the names are Naomi Campbell, Al Gore, Alan Dershowitz, Les Wexner, Tom Pritzker, Kevin Spacey, Leonardo DiCaprio, Kate Blanchett, Cameron Diaz and Bruce Willis. And she testified that she had never met any of them, but that Epstein did name drop celebrities quite often. So there was also this weird story in one of the depositions that freaked me out so much. And it reminded me of another story that I heard that I'm pretty sure is connected to this um but it must have been semi-redacted at some point maybe so this was called kissing games and this deposition was of a man called Ronaldo Rizzo who was a former employee of two friends of Jeffrey Epstein and you'll see their names pop up loads and it's the Dubins it is Glenn and Eva Dubin so Eva Dubin is Jeffrey Epstein's ex-girlfriend and Glenn Dubin is this kind of socialite New York socialite and they got married um, and they were also involved heavily I believe in this sex trafficking operation Ronaldo who used to work for them kind of spilled the tea a lot of the time on them and the stuff that he came out with always haunted me so he spoke of these kissing games and it spoke to how far Epstein and Maxwell went to control the young women in their orbit he testified that Maxwell once threatened a terrified 15 year old girl and confiscated her passport to try and make her have sex with Jeffrey Epstein while on his island. He also described these kissing games where he said that one point he was in a room and Jeffrey was there with around 11 or 12 uh, young girls. The ages he described were between, I think he said 14 and maybe somewhere like 18, 19, but they all looked really young. And he said that all of a sudden, it became like a very quote provocative situation and one that he was no way comfortable being around the girls were taking their tops off and they were told to like kiss each other and it was called this kissing game he said it made him really uncomfortable and he also said that he spoke with a 15 year old Swedish girl who was shaking uncontrollably in 2005 while he was in the Dubin's kitchen and this is the story that I'd read before and it always always sticks with me he said the girl said that she had been pressured to have sex while on Epstein's private jet and the Daily Beast previously reported that he paused his questioning once Eva Dubin entered the kitchen. Quote, he said, Eva comes in and tells the girl that she'll be working for her in the city as a nanny. I remember reading this before and he also kind of said something that like the girl seemed to be on drugs or inebriated in some way, but that she was no older than 15 years old. During this kissing game as well, I believe he spoke to one of the housekeepers and kind of questioned her about it when the housekeepers on the private island and was kind of like, what the hell is this? I don't feel comfortable being around this. And she said something along the lines of like, this happens all the time and it's called the kissing game. 
So let's talk about Alan Dershowitz. His name comes up loads as well. So Alan Dershowitz is Epstein's former attorney who helped him get that 2008 sweetheart deal in which he avoided prosecution for his sex crimes against minors. He also plays a huge role, unsurprisingly, in the unsealed documents. His name appears... His name appears 33 times in the document that was released on Wednesday. And according to testimony from Epstein's former household staff, Dershowitz visited Epstein's Florida home very often, allegedly going there by himself and spending time in the presence of all the young girls. They also said he would get massages there regularly. And if you know anything about this case, massages were used as a ruse for the men to engage in sexual activity with the underage girls. It was a way of, you know, obviously making it acceptable for these girls to be around nude men. It was a grooming tactic and it was also a code word. So this was the tactic that Epstein frequently used to employ and initiate any sexual abuse and anyone who was sent for a massage knew what that meant. Under one of the filings in the documents relating to the Jane Doe number one and two versus the United States, where as far as I can tell, they were trying to pursue Jane Doe three and four joining the case. They laid out multiple accusations and some of them pertained to Alan Dershowitz. And to quote this document directly, they say, one such powerful individual that Epstein forced then minor Jane Doe number three to have sexual relations with was former Harvard law professor Alan Dershowitz, a close friend of Epstein's and a well-known criminal defense attorney. Epstein required Jane Doe number three to have sexual relations with Dershowitz on numerous occasions while she was a minor, not only in Florida, but also on private planes in New York, New Mexico and the US Virgin Islands. In addition to being a participant in the abuse of Jane Doe three and other minors, Dershowitz was an eyewitness to the sexual abuse of many other minors by Epstein and several of Epstein's co-conspirators. Dershowitz did a YouTube live stream entitled The Epstein List and Guilt by Association recently and he said I had an innocent relationship with a man who I didn't know. Nobody suspected had done anything wrong. In an email to Rolling Stone, Dershowitz said that he and his wife had a single massage in the 1990s with a professional massage therapist and that he never saw a young girl in Epstein's presence. Also in said live stream, he said that people can make false allegations in legal filings with impunity without fear of being sued. So he has just been on the denial, denial, denial train for years now. I guess he has to be. He's a lawyer. He knows what he has to do. But I mean, the proof is kind of in the writing here. So there's some other interesting bits that I want to get to before we wrap up this little mini episode. Number one, Stephen Hawking. So according to these documents, Epstein was ready to reward one of his victim's friends. They could prove her allegations were false. One of these allegations was that Professor Stephen Hawking participated in an underage orgy on his island. And this victim was Virginia Jeffrey. So there's an email from Jeffrey Epstein. And can I just say his email address blew my mind. I don't know why, but it's jevacation at gmail.com. Isn't there something weird about that, that he uses Gmail? Like, is it not like Jeffrey at Epstein.com or something? But anyway, the email was sent on January 12th, 2015 to Ghislaine Maxwell. And it says the following. You can issue a reward to any of Virginia's friends, acquaintances, family that come forward and help 
prove her allegations are false. The strongest is the Clinton dinner and the new version of the Virgin Islands that Stephen Hawking participated in an underage orgy. So David Copperfield, the famous magician, also pops up. To quote the document, it says, David Copperfield was at a dinner at Epstein's and there was another girl present who looked young. And Joanna, the girl we spoke about earlier, asked what school she went to and Joanna didn't recognise the school name as being a college. And she said it was possible it was a high school aged girl. Joanna said Copperfield then questioned her if she was aware that girls were getting paid to find other girls. She also testified that David Copperfield seemed to be pretty good friends with Jeffrey Epstein. Celebrity hairstylist Frederick Fekai, victim Joanna, testified that she heard Jeffrey call someone to try and find girls in Hawaii to send over to him. Finally, Virginia Jeffrey's deposition was very interesting. She basically says that she was trafficked around and sent around to have sex with loads of Ghislaine and Epstein's friends and she dropped lots of names. Now, none of this is really, frankly, very new material, but reading it firsthand was quite interesting, I have to say. So in her deposition, she was ordered to give, she said she was ordered to give massages to Glenn Dubin, Bill Richardson, who is a former politician and I believe former governor of New Mexico. So Is he getting blackmail material on the governor of a state that he has huge property in? Yes, he is. Prince Andrew, Jean-Luc Brunel, who we all, who you may or may not know, but Jean-Luc Brunel also turned up uh, suicided when he was arrested for his connection for this in France. And he was a model agent. And one name that was redacted, one name does remain redacted, which obviously now I want to know exactly who that person is. And one person who was presented as, quote, an owner of a large hotel chain that she claims to have had sex with, was ordered to have sex with at Naomi Campbell's birthday party. So that's how Naomi Campbell's name pops up. She also said she had sex with a man called Marvin Minsky on the island, who was an American cognitive and computer scientist. He was concerned largely with research of artificial intelligence. He was the co-founder of the MIT's AI lab and author of several texts concerning AI and philosophy. So... Do with that information what you will, but I thought that was interesting to um, note the AI link. She also named another prince that she was ordered to have sex with, but it wasn't said who he was or prince of where. She just said another prince. So that is pretty much the highlights of that deposition or those documents that were released. Let me know if you want another episode when more comes out. I would love to run through it with you all. And let me know if I missed anything. Of course, 900 pages, I might. But let me know what you think. Let me know if you think we're going to get some more names. And I hope you enjoyed it. If you want weekly episodes of Red Room, you can sign up to my Patreon. That is where I do weekly deep dives on everything that we talk about over here. Conspiracy, mystery, true crime, unsolved mysteries we do it all i'm working on a new season for you all hopefully that will come out in spring until then i would really appreciate if you could subscribe and give me a five-star review i'll talk to you all very soon bye